some people visiting here today, visiting at church on Sunday, and there was a family. And, you know, there was a high school student that was there. And we went through our normal routine before I preach. And after about 45 minutes, the son looked at his mother and said, do you think they're going to give a sermon today? Um, and I never thought about it, but after, you know, after an hour, you think, really, are they going to preach today, or is this going to? Um, well, it has come faster than you thought, right? Thanksgiving is over. Advent season has begun. And Jane, you can cover your ears. We're three and a half weeks away from Christmas. In case you didn't realize that. I told her that earlier, and she goes, no, 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 I'm not listening. Um, but because of that, I think it's sort of helpful for us in the Sundays leading up to Christmas to re be reminded um, that God truly became man, that he was fully God, fully, fully man, and came to save us. Uh, that was his gift to us for salvation. Um, and so this Sunday and for the next three weeks, we'll be focusing on that theme, but we're going to be sort of looking at it from the eyes of Mary uh, and see sort of how that has, impacts us too. So today we'll be thinking about the Annunciation, a religious word. What does it mean? Announcement. That's all it means. It's an announcement. I started thinking about that because when we give announcements, I'm not sure everybody listens. Um, and I'm glad that Mary did. Um, you know, and it's, it's, which even brought to my mind Moses at the burning bush. I wonder how many times he went by the burning bush before he noticed it. And I say that because next to our house, across the street from where the Malones used to live before they abandoned our neighborhood, um, <clears throat> there was a house, they put up a new fence. And I was driving by, because I was taking Gwen to work, and I go, wow, they put up a new fence. And Gwen looked at me and she goes, really? I go, what do you mean? That fence has been up there for over a month. And so it's easy to recognize that you know, things can be going on around us that because we're so caught up in what we're doing, we don't hear announcements. We don't see things. We don't see burning bushes. We don't see God on the move. Because we're moving so fast, so hard, and our own agenda. And yet here's Mary, and God's going to bring her an announcement. Um, so the story is found in chapter 1 of Luke, uh, verses 26 through 38. So go ahead, and if you have your Bibles, read it. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the sermon notes. Um, when all else fails, you can use your phone. Um, but let's go ahead and just read through that. Verses 26 through 38. 
I think today that for many of us, the Christmas season is a bit like a well-decorated Christmas tree. There are layers of ornaments, lights, decorations that can be, cover a tree so much that when you take a look at the tree from a distance, you can't tell whether it's real or it's fake. Um, I thought about that in regards to our personal lives. We can put so much decoration on our lives that sometimes we can't tell whether or not, or others can't tell whether our faith is real or it's just a decoration. Um, and I think the Christmas message, actually the Christmas season has become so filled with reruns of It's a Wonderful Life or Home Alone or Hallmark movies and all the other things that go along with the season and all the sentiment that sometimes you're not sure whether it's real or whether it's just another fantasy story that takes place you know, in the beginning of winter to warm our hearts when everything starts to get cold. Um, and for some, may even confuse just another Christmas story with any of the other stories that are going on. Which is why it's so important to read Luke's account. Um, because in Luke's account, he's concerned to show exactly what happened. He's concerned about the facts. He wants people to know. If you take a look at the first five verses of chapter 1, that you'd see him talking about, it's this eyewitness account of what is going to be taking place. He does this that Theophilus may know that what he is writing or what he has heard previously, he can be certain about. That this isn't just another story, but this is a true event that took place. Um, those of us who are asking questions about the big issues of our lives, and we may be struggling to know which way to turn, which way is up, which way is down. Um, here in Luke's account of the coming of Jesus, we can find some certainty that there is an answer, that there is truth that we can hold on to. Uh, we can find some certainty, some answers to the big questions. This is a real-world message for real people facing real problems at a real time. And you'll see that if you look at the story, that Luke is concerned about the facts. He says it takes place at a particular time, six months, in a city, in a particular place, in a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to particular people, to, to Joseph and Mary, and the house and the lineage of David. It was announced to a virgin. The virgin would have be conceived and be with child, miraculous, miraculously and supernaturally. It's not just another Hallmark movie. This is truth. Um, but not, because he's not only concerned to show the facts, he's also concerned to show us the challenges. So here are the facts. And again, you have these wonderful facts, and then the scripture writers always sort of go to the other side. These may be the facts, and this is how people responded to those facts. Um, because when the angel appears to Mary, she is afraid. And after the angel begins to talk to her, in verse 34, she's even more confused. So not only am I afraid, 
Now I'm confused. I don't understand this. I don't understand how it's going to happen. I'm, it's like you're talking to the wall. Um, and it's only at the end of her dialogue with the angel that you see her faith kick in. She goes through the fear. She goes through the questioning. She goes through the wonderment. And then faith kicks in. She goes, okay, Lord, whatever you say. And it really is good news for us that Luke is so concerned to show us the facts and to show us the challenges of what is taking place. Because it tells us that his message is a message for all of us. It's not just a message of a nice birth, a miraculous birth, but it's a message that carries on to us today in the struggles and the problems and the things that we are facing. Um, it's dealing with people, it's, it's a message for all the people who deal with all sorts of difficult challenges, who know what it is to be afraid, who know what it is to be confused and concerned. The story of Jesus, you see, is not a myth or a fable or a first century, twas the night before Christmas. That's not what it is. It's a story about God on the move. And he's on the move and people's lives today still. <coughs> Again, Luke does not make this a hallmark moment. Notice, first of all, Mary's fear. When Luke says in verse 29 that Mary was greatly, what, what says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled. And he uses an interesting word there. In a version of a more common Greek verb, it's a version of a more common Greek verb, an emphatic verb that says greatly distressed. So it's not that she's afraid. This, this, she's greatly distressed. Um, she is beyond herself. She's not at all reassured by the angel's declaration of her divine favor. Now, have you ever talked to somebody and tried to give them comfort with a word from the Lord and they're not at all comforted by it? Think of Mary. Angel goes right to her and says, oh, you're greatly favored. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm afraid. This is not good news when you first hear it. Um, so he repeats it. And this time he adds, but do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So he immediately confronts her fear. The good news that he has come to her with is good news that works for a scared teenage girl. It works for parents. It's good news actually for all who, like Mary, are greatly troubled and find ourselves looking for answers to things that we don't understand. Um, Friday after Thanksgiving, somebody who is very, very close to us, somebody that we love deeply, um, they, they had a miscarriage and their baby died the Friday after Thanksgiving. Deeply troubled, deeply concerned. It's hard to go to them and say, God has a word of comfort for you. But God does have a word of comfort for them. It's just how and when they are going to hear it is going to be the difference. But that's at the heart of the message of the Christmas story.
that God's perfect love cast out fear. And so when the word of God comes to us, our response won't be bewilderment or confusion, but faith and submission and the certainty about God's good and perfect plan, all of which focuses on the person of Jesus Christ. Then secondly, I want you to notice the favor shown to Mary. So first we have her fear, and now there's his favor. And that's the language that Gabriel uses twice in our passage. In verses 28 and 30, Mary is told she is a favored one. Um, I don't know how you would respond to that if God came to you and said you're a favored one. You know, when you think about, not me, what did I do? And I think that's how sometimes we respond to it. And that's not what the scripture is saying. It has nothing to do with what Mary's done. She hasn't gathered up all these chips that say I've been a good person. It's totally because of God's grace that she's a favored one. And the reality is that God looks at each one of us through salvation and says, you're a favored one. You're a special one. You're my child. You are a favored one. So the focus here is not to draw attention to Mary, that it's something in Mary for which she is being favored, but rather to help us understand that the favor she is being shown is the grace of God lavished upon her despite who Mary is, not because of who Mary is. In fact, the word favor comes from the word charis, which means grace, grace lavished upon Mary. And the definition of grace is what? Unmerited favor. So Luke has actually been emphasizing Mary's ordinariness, not her extraordinariness. And that what's, that's what makes grace so wonderful. It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we earned. But it breaks in on people but sometimes when they're the least expecting it. Not when they deserve it. It's God on the move. And here in the Annunciation, the favor and the grace that is being given to Mary is not some treasury of merit that can be cashed in. It's available to all. It's not based on her, but on God. And the same is true for us. Sometimes we go through life and we think in our heads, I don't deserve God's grace. And you are absolutely right. And it's good that you don't deserve it because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. So when it comes, it's not something that we have to say, well, it's about time. Instead, we just fall in praise and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, and so as the angel begins to explain what he means, when he tells her that she is being highly favored, his explanation, his explanation focuses on two things about Jesus. He talks about Jesus' identity, and he talks about Jesus' mission. Uh, and take a look at what he says in verses 31 and 32, because they tell us about Jesus' identity. Behold, he says to her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him named Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High. That tells us two things about Jesus' identity. First, it tells us that he is born fully human. Fully human. He will be conceived in the womb of Mary. He does not arrive on the scene like Gabriel did. 
But Gabriel is telling us that she will conceive, he will be born fully human, fully God. Um, when Mary asked her question in verse 34, how will this happen? It doesn't, it just, you know, it just says the Holy Spirit will hover over you and you will be conceived. And then he says the child will be born, will be called holy, the son of God. So not only man, but God, who has from eternity dwelt in perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Fat. Luke is saying this is just the way it is. Um, he is Jesus Christ, Mary's infant child, veiled in flesh at the Godhead sea, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. As an ordinary human being, as a real man, Mary's son was equipped and qualified to stand among us as one of us, filling our shoes, as it were, able to sympathize with our weaknesses. I don't know how many here have ever watched Father Brown Mysteries um, on British TV. It was written by G.K. Chesterton, and he was a Christian in the 1800s. And he wrote these short stories, or 1890s, or whatever. And anyway, he wrote these short stories. And it is amazing when you watch them, the power of the message that he gives. Um, and I don't know why that came to my head, except it had something to do with here. Um, so I forget which one we were watching. We've been starting to binge watch Father Brown. Um, you mentioned relating, like, compassion or relating to someone. Yeah, no, it'll come back to me. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, that works. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe it was G.K. Chessmaster. Um, thank you, guys. <laughs> They, what? <laughs> I, I, need, I need to talk before it just gets out of hand. This normally doesn't happen around here. Nobody ever talks back to me. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, understanding the depth. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm already, it's going, it's going. Um, a man was going through great difficulties. And as he was going through them, Father Brown is focusing on the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm sitting there watching this on TV and I can't believe what I'm saying. And he's understanding the depths of our soul. And this man said he lost his son. And he looks at Father Brown and says, you can't understand what I'm going through. And he goes, no, I can't. But I have a father who lost his son. And he understands. And he will stand by you. And he will stand with you. He understands the depths of our sorrows. Taking our place, bearing our guilt, paying our price, dying that we might live. And on the other hand, as an eternal God... He can pay a debt that we could never repay. 
because our sin and guilt before God is infinite, we don't have the ability to forgive ourselves. But God does. And so God, through Jesus Christ, has paid it in full. And not just for one person or for two persons or for a few, but an infinite God, there's room for all people who come to him. So here is the glory of the Christmas story. Here is God on the move. Notice what we're told here about Jesus' mission. First, Jesus comes to make a new beginning, to be a perfect redeemer, to make new people, to make a, a new race, to give people new life. He comes to Mary bringing a new creation. And his new creation, in essence, is Jesus Christ in human form. And he will bring a new beginning for every person who trusts him. A second Adam who obeys where the first Adam failed, who keeps the law of God so that lawbreakers like us may find refuge in him. They find his righteousness in order that we too can be called righteous. A perfect savior who brings a new beginning and makes us righteous. But there's another final part to his mission. Look at verse 32 and 33 again. The Lord God, the angel says, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. The angel here is echoing the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, and we've all heard it if you've been in church at all and at Christmas. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his reign there shall be no end. Jesus is not just a redeemer and a rescuer. He is God's appointed king who reigns and rules over all. That's an important thing to hear, and it's an important thing not to miss. If Jesus is God's great king, then he's simply not an option that we may consider. He summons you, and you are obligated to acknowledge him. The reality is, is that people will have no choice. Every person will eventually acknowledge him as Lord of, over everything, the king of the universe. Now, the choice is whether we do that now and enjoy the joys of salvation and his love, and his grace, or we wait till the judgment day when we acknowledge the reality that he is king of kings, lord of lords, savior of all, but we missed it. But every knee will bow and recognize him as king. So we have seen the fear that Mary had and we've seen the favor that Mary was shown. And then finally notice the faith that Mary exhibits. There's a journey that Mary is on. She begins terrified. She moves from fear to favor, or from fear to confusion. But at the end, she comes to a place of faith and trust in the Lord and his promise, which leads to a willing submission. Uh, you notice the marvelous kindness of the angel Gabriel towards her. She's questioning all of this, and he sees what's going on. It's as if he says, you know, Mary, I know that this is going to be difficult for you, and you're going to need somebody to talk to. 
and I'm going to send you to somebody that you know very well who is also going to have a miraculous birth, and because of her, you both will be able to comfort and strengthen one another because I care enough about you to bring somebody alongside you to go through this journey. And I think that's what God does all the time with us. He brings those people alongside of us to go with us on that journey so that we don't have to go through that alone. But once again, sometimes we're not listening to the announcement. Sometimes we're not seeing the burning bush. Once I'm, sometimes we're not seeing the brand new fence that's been up there for a month and we've seen it for the first time. Because we're too busy. We're too busy. It says, go visit Elizabeth. In her old age, you will discover that she is pregnant with a child who would be John the baptizer, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus, who would go ahead of him proclaiming good news in the coming Messiah. And that... That is, it seems, enough for Mary. She hears that, and verse 36 says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. If this is what you want, I'll do it. I'll do it. Faith played out. Again, one of Luke's great concerns is that we understand that faith in Jesus is not a blind leap in the dark. It's not an exercise in wish fulfillment. It's based on evidence. And let me close with this. Chapter 11 of Luke. Uh, somewhere in the middle. Um, Jesus is preaching. There's a great crowd. Listen to him. And one of the women who is in the crowd is just overwhelmed by what Jesus is saying. And she's just gripped by that. And she just sort of exclaims out of all of that... Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. How awesome it must have been to be your mother. What a blessing she must have enjoyed. Now that would just be a natural compliment, wouldn't it? Man, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be the mother of Jesus. But here Jesus' response, and you can look this up on your own. Um, Jesus says, no. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The blessing wasn't because she gave birth to Jesus. The blessing was because she heard the word of God and kept it. And the same is true for us. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That we hear the word of God, the promises of the gospel, the offer of favor, of grace, bound up with Jesus, who he is and what he came to do, a perfect savior of sinners. That's the story of Christmas. And like Mary, we let fear and doubt give way to favor and respond with faith by saying, Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Father, we just praise you and thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together, to hear your word, to be challenged by it. And Lord, I know that during the Christmas season, it's sometimes really difficult to get away from all of the decorations, from all of the activities, from all of the parties, from all of the celebrations, and just stop and reflect.
and your word and who you are and all that that means. Lord, I thank you that we just have the opportunity to connect with a couple of friends and do a one-to-one -one together in the midst of everything else that we can stop and pause and say, let's read God's word together and let's reflect on it and let's see what it means for us. And so, Father, continue to minister to each of us during this next three and a half weeks before we hit Christmas and help us to find the balance. But most important, help those who don't know you find a right relationship with you in order that this Christmas season they truly could find the gift of new life. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask these things. They have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.